Considering a transition to private pay? Thrizer can help you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for your clients. Your clients just pay co-insurance for sessions instead of waiting weeks for reimbursement. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees so you get paid in full up front. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thrizer. Is your mental health practice buried in the bottom of Google search results? There's a way out. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a roadmap to search engine success. As mental health professionals, they know how to help therapists attract ideal clients and build a thriving practice. Go to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to learn more and unlock your SEO potential this summer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and today we are joined by Katrina Salter, CFP Financial Advisor of Wells Fargo Advisors, and she's here to talk about money that we don't even have yet. So welcome <laughs> to uh, welcome to our show, Katrina. Thank you, Kurt. It's so great to be here, and you both are so wonderful. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. We're so excited to have you. You and I have talked through a lot of stuff together and have done some collaboration. So I'm so excited to have you here to talk through some of these things that a lot of therapists don't necessarily know about. Why don't we start off with, you know, kind of give us a, some background on who you are, what you're doing, that kind of stuff so that we can know who's talking. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I'm a financial advisor. I hold my CFP designation, which is stands for Certified Financial Planner. I work with a team of five called the Zeitges Hutchinson Sosa Wealth Management Group at Wells Fargo Advisors. We are in the Westwood branch. And uh, I should say at the beginning here, because this is uh, one of the disclosures we have to mention, which is that the show, (laughs) exactly, the show is for informational purposes only, and that individual risk tolerance and investment objectives must be reviewed prior to making any specific recommendations. So with that out of the way, my background originally was from teaching. I was an elementary school teacher out of college and made a career shift to personal finance or a lot of soul searching and talking with my mom and all that good stuff. And it turns out that I have a passion for this field and particularly for working with individuals who get a little overwhelmed and a little bit confused by the details of our, of our personal finances, but also know that they need to have all of that in order to really support their long-term vision for what they want their life to be. And so I specialize specifically in working with professionals and I work a lot with professional women and their families to design what they want out of life and figure out how to make all the money work for them. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. And this is really something where I'm really glad to not be asking therapists for financial advice, nor (laughs) perpetuating that we should be the ones giving you the advice ourselves, that we are very grateful to have professional people willing to join us. So kind of just a very basic question to start with is why should people be investing their money? Such a great question. And I think too often we think we can keep waiting and waiting and waiting and not investing it, or we get scared because the market goes up and down. So what do we do with the, with, why should we even worry about this? And so the bottom line is that the cost of things is going to go up. It's called inflation, right? We know back 20 years ago, the cost of milk and the cost of gas is a lot different than it is today. So saving for the future and letting your mar- your money work for you is 
such a key component of setting yourself up for a successful future. And one of the easiest ways to do that is putting a little bit of money into the market and investing it and letting it grow. Historically, we've seen great possibilities for return from doing exactly that. So when we take a look at the impact that compound interest has on our investments, it's truly astonishing what can happen when you start saving early. When we put a little bit of money to work and it makes some more money in the market through interest and growth in in the prices of what you're investing in, and then you put a little bit more in on top of it, that all now earns more interest the next year. And that interest the next year goes towards what earns more interest the year after that. So you can think about if you fast forward this, the impact it has over a 30 or 40 or 50 year horizon. And that really lets your money work for you. So you don't have to be worrying when you're 60, whether or not you have enough money to live the life that you want in your later years. Too often, though, we get caught up in the fact that it's going to be in the future. We don't have to think about that for a long time. And so we don't do this upfront. And that's one of the mistakes we see young investors making is that they keep pushing it down the line. It's never too early to start and it's never too late to start. So getting it going immediately is really, um, I think, one of the biggest takeaways you can have from any financial conversation. That makes a lot of sense. I think um, many people push things off. They, you know, they try to figure out how to invest, you know, kind of prioritize between investing for retirement, paying for student loans, saying, saving for a house. There's like the current financial needs. And then there's that time when we'll retire. And a lot of people joke that therapists end up dying in the chair because we can, it's a, it's a career we can do for a long time, but we want to have the freedom to be able to retire and to have you know, the lifestyle we want without having to work so much in our later years. But how do we balance that? How do we determine, you know, what do we take care of right now as far as loans that we're repaying or houses that we're investing in versus investing for retirement? Like, how do we prioritize that? It's a great question. I think that's often what holds us back from making any decisions, right? We're frozen because we don't know where to go. How do you prioritize all of these different competing needs on your resources, your time, and your money. And so how do you think about this? And, and you, you struck a very fancy term we use, which is balance, right? <laughs> and finding that balance. <laughs> but that's absolutely exactly what needs to be happening. There needs to be a balance between saving for that future and saving for the present. And you're right. A lot of therapists will work years and years and years through. But do you want to have to? And retirement nowadays, I say this is not even the right word because a lot of times we're not thinking about retirement. We're thinking about what really shape do we want our life to have in our later years. And sometimes that means continuing to work part-time. Sometimes that means consulting. Sometimes that means teaching. Sometimes that means actually retiring and not working again. So there's a lot of iterations, right? There's a lot of iterations for this. And part of the the work that you should be thinking and doing is what iteration do you want to have for yourself? And if you're going to work full time until you die, fine. But most people (laughs) want to be able to have the fun, fancy worldwide vacation someday. And most people want to be able to maybe see their grandkids, you know, if they have them. So there's a lot of reasons why we want to save for that future because it gives us flexibility later on. It gives us the ability to choose. And the ability to make choice is so important when we're thinking about our finances. So that goes to how do we prioritize things right now, right? What is the choice that we want to make? 
And oftentimes you do want to balance the present. You don't want to live on cup of noodles every single day so that you can save for the future. At the same time, you don't want to just live it up now and have nothing when you know, you're know you 90 and going to the hospital for the heart disease. So we have to have the balance for both of those priorities. And making sure that you do that is one of the trickiest reasons why people go see a professional because each situation is going to be different. And the bottom line, as in most things with personal finances, it depends. It depends on you. I will give you some general guidelines, though. Investing for retirement early is one of the best ways to pay yourself. Unlike student loans, unlike you know a lot of the debt that we would take on, there is compound interest that you earn from investing early. So your money is being put to work for yourself. Student loans, usually your interest is not capitalizing into your principal. So you can actually beat what you're doing with the student loan side by investing and investing early. Plus, you get to put more away and you get to feel like there's a backup plan. God forbid everything goes wrong. The student loan piece of this, we hear a lot of times that you should consider repaying everything down before you do anything else, that debt is bad and we should never carry debt. That is sometimes true. And sometimes that's a great priority to have and debt-free sounds like you know the holy grail. But at the same time, student loans have gotten more complex in terms of their repayment options. There are a lot of choices out there now that if you are carrying a lot in student loan debt, you should not be putting off your entire future for the next 10 years in order to aggressively pay it off necessarily. Because between pay-as-you-earn, income-based repayment, and revised pay-as-you-earn, the amount that you might have to pay for that debt could be significantly less. There are now forgiveness programs that if you're on one of those repayment schedules, then your loan will be forgiven in either 20 or 25 years. And that's essentially less than your working life. So if you look at it more as a component of your picture of your necessary expenses, then it can actually be something that you can balance. And this I say more for the people who are carrying hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you have $20,000 of student debt, that's a different conversation, of course. And so I will, I will put that caveat in there. It requires a lot of looking into things and hopefully talking to somebody who can help you design this plan, but do not have an emergency fund and you're not going to start saving for retirement because you have to first pay off all of your debt is not necessarily the wisest decision. The student loan debt will be paid off by the time you're done working. So if you're going to get there, if you want to get to the place where you're going to be done working at some point, you need to start saving now for that retirement future. I like that. I think that there's some new ideas I hadn't really thought about, which is, you know, kind of can you beat the loan repayment, right? You've got the retirement is getting the compound interest, whereas the loan that you're repaying is kind of slowly working its way through and, and you can actually make more from the money you invest versus paying down debt. That's, that's a good takeaway for me. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Thank you. Yeah. And I think we don't think about it, right? We hear the traditional wisdom of pay off your student loans, but why do you think we have this crisis with all of these young people unable to start a family, unable to buy a house, unable to do anything? It's because they're saddled with all the student loan debt. Well, there are options available to you so that you don't have to live on cup of noodles in your grandpa's basement while you're trying to, <laughs> you know, get your career off the ground. And that's where I think we need to have a deeper conversation about the right decision for each person's personal situation. Just to also add on to that, I would also say you want to think about your savings in buckets. I, I hear this sometimes and I really think it's important is to think about your long term. We've talked about the retirement savings and making sure you're putting money away for that. And then thinking about your short term, thinking about that emergency fund, because 
you don't want to be paying everything towards your debt. And then God forbid you lose your job and you can't live for the next two months, right? You need to have enough in your emergency savings bucket, essentially some sort of savings account somewhere that yes, sits in cash, doesn't earn a lot of money, but that's there for you when you are needing it. And that's if everything goes wrong, dramatically wrong, all of a sudden, you need to have that backup plan. And so that's really an important piece of thinking about this. So that's the first two buckets, right? Long-term retirement, emergency fund. And the third one is really thinking about your intermediate goals. Do you want to buy a house? Do you want to go on a trip around the world in five years? That can be the fun stuff. That comes last, unfortunately. So we got to make sure we cover all of our bases first, and then we can start planning for all the good fun stuff that is the intermediate stuff. But I would say that the most important piece of this is to make sure that you're prioritizing and paying your debt on time. Yes. Making sure that you've got that emergency fund and making sure you're investing for the long term. Those are the three major takeaways if you're listening to nothing else that I say today. (laughs) (laughs) If you've been considering switching to private pay and are unsure how to attract and retain clients, Thrizer can be your best resource. How? Thrizer actually helps you transform out-of-network therapy to look and feel like an in-network experience for clients with out-of-network benefits. First, Thrizer can help clients instantly verify their out-of-network benefits, providing them complete transparency on the cost of therapy ahead of their first session. Then, just by charging your clients via Thrizer's payment platform, you can automatically submit claims for them, offload all the insurance stress onto Thrizer, and even let your clients just pay their co-insurance for sessions, similar to in-network co-pays, to help them afford therapy upfront and skip the long reimbursement wait. Thrizer covers the rest of your fees, so you get paid in full up front and waits for reimbursement on your client's behalf. They also have a super bill uploads feature, which is completely free for therapists. If you'd like to instead offer your clients a resource to manage their own super bills, they manage all claims end to end, so you or your clients don't need to deal with any of the insurance stress. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to start your free trial and receive waived fees for your first $2,500 in payments. Our practice, the the practice of therapy comes in all shapes and sizes, anything from agencies with 401k plans to private practices where it's just a person working for themselves. What kind of options did they have as far as different investment tools for retirement? It's a great question. And I think this particular answer uh, gets a little confusing and there are a lot of nuances for this. So the first and foremost, the easiest option would be your traditional IRA account. The traditional IRA account does not allow you to put very much money every year into it, but $5,500 if you're under age of 50 per year is still something to start with. So if that's all you've got, traditional IRA, easy to open, easy to continue investing and easy to maintain. With that also comes a Roth IRA. And the differences between a traditional and a Roth IRA are a little bit specific to your tax situation. The Roth IRA, you should know that there are income limitations on whether or not you can contribute to a Roth IRA. But basically with a Roth IRA, you can still only put in the 5,500 a year, but you put in the money and you get taxed now, meaning that when you take it out later on down the road, you don't have to pay any tax which is a lovely benefit when you're thinking about how to structure income in retirement. Again, we can go down a whole rabbit hole of very specific (laughs) information here. 
Then we get into some of the more complicated ones. The main other two options in the IRA world are a SEP IRA and a simple IRA. And the SEP IRA and the simple IRA have very specific requirements that are geared towards either self-employed individuals or to small business owners. So if you have some employees, these can get very tricky in terms of making sure you're following the different rules for each of those. And then we can get into the really fun stuff, which are called qualified retirement plans. This is really only applicable if you're looking to put away a lot of money into a retirement account. But there are such things as individual 401ks for self-employed individuals or profit sharing or defined benefit plans. That's really if you're like making bank and you're like, I want to put a ton of that into retirement for down the road. And that's, that's sort of the qualified side. Those get even more complicated than just our SEP and our simple IRAs. With those SEP and those simple IRAs, can you touch briefly on, on what some of those advantages and disadvantages might be for both the employer and the employee? Absolutely. And this can be a long answer. I could get into some very specific numbers on this. So keep in mind that if you're considering which one to uh, choose for your business, I would recommend thinking about talking to a professional of some sort. Even your CPA can provide some guidance on this. Note that I am not a CPA. So basically, am I hearing that you're saying that people should not completely take all of their financial advice from a podcast, but actually should talk to a professional in real life? (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great takeaway. (laughs) This is only educational, Um, folks. Only educational. Informational purposes only. (laughs) Qualified financial (laughs) advisor, please. Exactly. But to to very briefly, just to to give some sort of guidance, the main differences are the, the limits of how much you can contribute and how you hit those limits. So for a simple IRA, you can contribute about $12,500 from the business side. That can be dependent on how much you're matching for your employees. And then you can also contribute for your individual salary deferral about $12,500. There are some specific limits on that. And the, the differences can get more nuanced than that. With the SEP IRA, you can put even more away. You can put up to $55,000 a year. The difference with that is it's only an employer contribution, so only from the business. And it's capped at 25% of your income. So you have to make a lot to be able to make 25% equal $55,000, right? With the simple IRA, the benefit there is you're only, you can, you can put up to 100% of your income into it. So the, the percentage limits that quantify how much you get to put in and then the max out levels are really important. With the simple, keep in mind, you don't have access to some of that money until it vests. And I think it's about two years that that takes place. And so you want to make sure that you're not going to need that money. Now, granted, this is retirement savings. So hopefully you're not touching it until way, way later anyway. But keep in mind that with the IRAs, your money, there are some tax implications for taking it out early for all of these accounts, including traditional and Roth. And then I would also add, as Katie mentioned, this is the space you talk to a professional. And you, especially if you're an employer with employees, there are a lot of different nuances that can go into which employees qualify even for your retirement plan. So you can make it really specific and design it for your business. And it can also flex with you throughout the years. You're not choose one and then you're done. You can never change it. There's a lot of flexibility with this depending on how things change. I think a lot of our listeners are probably in solo practice. You know, they're working for themselves. And so in that situation, 
would you recommend a SEP? Would you recommend a simple? I mean, obviously it depends and this is informational only, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of the basics are a lot of therapists in private practice are making somewhere between 50 to 60,000 a year when they, you know, kind of are really making it, you know, there's a lot that make mm-hmm. more than that, but you know, the averages mm-hmm. are about that. And they have themselves, that's the only employee they have. So looking mm-hmm. at that, that detail, what are some general recommendations you might put forward to that setup? So when you're a self-employed solo practice, keep in mind that the SEP calculation, that 25% of your income, if you're making that as a solo practitioner, that's actually going to be even lower than that 25% because there's a self-employment tax. So your CPA is going to work with you to actually calculate the amount for the SEP IRA. And if you're in the $50,000 to $60,000 range, you might actually be limited on how much you can put into that SEP to an even smaller number than a simple IRA. Right. So if you're in the fifty thousand range and you're putting about twenty percent in, then you're only putting about ten thousand dollars into that SEP IRA. Now the SEP is a little bit more flexible. You can also make a traditional IRA contribution. So you could put another fifty five hundred if you're under the age of fifty. Usually into that SEP IRA, then you quantify it as the traditional IRA contribution. And most banks, most um, investment places will let you do that. Or you can open a traditional IRA yourself and put it into that. But so keep in mind, there's some limits there. The simple IRA, if you're designing it for your own business and it's only you, you're able to put 100% of your income in up to 12500 from your own salary. Plus on top of that, you get to do a match from your business. So you get to basically say, I'm doing both. It really depends on the income you're making. I know that's not maybe the answer you're looking for, but I would say, you know, it depends on how much money you're looking to put in. If you're only putting 10% of your income into a retirement account and you're making $50,000, that's a $5,000 contribution. Don't mess with all of this and just make it a traditional IRA. That's helpful. And I think it also really points out that each person is going to need to have a conversation with someone because you know one of the other pieces is that if you have a spouse or other person that is you know kind of bringing household income there's different pieces that might play in as far as tax issues you know where what you want to put into retirement what you want to keep in the household so it it seems like it's a very complex math so to speak <laughs> uh, because there's so many so many contextual things but even kind of thinking that there's these other options you know cuz i you know, I kind of was given the advice, do a SEP. You know, I didn't know kind of what all the, the pieces were. And so that's what I did for several years. And so it's it's one of those things where when you get advice, you want to make sure that you understand where it's coming from and that you've got a really qualified person that's that's really talking you through all the options and giving you the one that's going to benefit you the most. And I would add on to that. I think that's exactly the point that I make is when you're picking a professional, if you choose to go the professional route, then you want to ask questions and you should never feel like you are less than for asking them. You should always feel empowered by that conversation and somebody should be willing to walk you through all the specifics or make it big picture if that's what you prefer. With therapists in particular, we end up having a lot of touchy-feely conversations, which is awesome. And that's the meat of what I'm doing usually in the, in the room with my, with my clients. And they don't necessarily need to know or want to know all of the math, but they do need to make sure that the professional they're working with has all of the relevant numbers and can give them the right recommendation for their particular life goals. So having that conversation and the other piece is the spouse and or if there's even just a family situation or you want to help your parents or you have kids, all of these factors make a really big difference. I will say, you know, the, the rule of thumb in general is that you should be saving anywhere between 10 and 15% of your income. 
into a retirement account. So maybe that gives some context to, to yeah. what that number should look like. And that's really what can help give you the sense of, do I really need to get all tricky with all of the stuff and simple stuff? Or do I want to just start somewhere and open a traditional IRA and invest it somehow, somewhere? And that can be the easiest option often if we're just getting off the ground and just getting started. Feeling like your ideal clients just can't find you online? There's a better way with Simplified SEO Consulting. They're a team of mental health marketing specialists who understand the unique challenges therapists face in the digital world. Forget wasting time on confusing SEO tactics that leave you feeling frustrated and out of the loop. Simplified SEO Consulting offers a range of proven solutions to fit your practice needs, from DIY courses that empower you to take control, to done-with-you coaching that provides expert guidance at every step, to their individualized done-for-you SEO plans that let you focus on your clients while they handle the details. Plus, they have an innovative content network program that has set practices across the country apart from the rest. When you're ready to start showing up in front of your ideal clients online, the expert team at Simplified SEO Consulting is ready for you. Visit SimplifiedSEOConsulting.com forward slash modern therapist to schedule your free consultation and find the perfect SEO plan to unlock the full potential of your practice. Don't forget to mention Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for $100 off your done-for-you SEO onboarding, or use code MODERNTHERAPIST for 20% off a DIY SEO course this summer. You bring up about seeking professionals, which I, I would hope that our audience would understand that we've gone to professional school to do professional type things, and typically not in the area of financial planning, but... For people who might be looking at what the cost of a financial planner might be, they might be weighing their options of doing something that's self-directed, just picking a, a target-dated account, target-dated fund that's kind of around when they hope to retire versus actively managed. What kinds of things would you want somebody in that position to consider in either of those directions? And just because you know we, we have a little bit of information, maybe we can start with what is Kurt talking about? Because, <laughs> because I know that there is, you know, you can kind of drop your money into a fund that, that has a target date and, or that is, you know, kind of managed, but it's, it's kind of the do it yourself version, but what does it mean to be actively managed and what are, you know, what are the options as far as that's concerning? So we'll start with that first. <laughs> a great question. And you're hitting the nail on the head. This is often what causes people to not do anything is because it's confusing. There are so many choices out there and it's confusing to sort through and figure out the right one for you. So let's break it down. First, what's your choices? So first, your choices in the industry. So there's the self-directed do-it-yourself version. And I can and talk I, about that a little bit. Do, can I mention the, the horrible V word, Vanguard? <laughs> <laughs> Vanguard, exactly. We've all heard of Vanguard. There's also what we hear nowadays with the robo-advisors. So there's a lot, of, a lot of color over there on that side. And that can range across. We've all seen the commercials, right? There's lots of different options out there. And then there's sort of the professionals that work in an investment house. And then there's sort of the independent planners and independent side. There's lots of different iterations of this. So that's my caveat to this. There's a ton of different business models out there. When you're thinking about your particular investment section and you're just getting started, the self-directed option isn't the end of the world. It's just hard sometimes to make the right decision when you have no knowledge and no professional training in investing. 
So proceed with caution just because there's lots going on there. And the target date fund can be great. At least what it does well is it allocates your assets. Okay, so what does that mean? That means it picks the mix of stocks to bonds that you should have, and it changes it over the course of your life. So if you pick the 2060 mutual fund, then the amount of stocks to bonds is going to be higher because we're a lot farther out from 2060. And that's what's going to change over time. So literally that mix is going to change as you continue getting closer to 2060. One thing that I was thinking is just so that people have a sense of that, more stocks means that it's more volatile. So there's a bigger chance for big increases, but that also means there's a chance for big decreases. But if you're in for the long term, you can navigate the big fluctuations that are going to be in the stock market versus bonds, which are kind of the slow growth. Absolutely. Thank you, Katie. Yes, she's absolutely right. So when you're thinking about where you want to be with your allocation, meaning how much to have in stocks versus how much to have in bonds, just very generally speaking, that's what that combination means. So as you're putting more into the stock market, usually that's, uh, as a general rule of thumb, more recommended for people who have a longer, what's called time horizon, meaning time until they're going to touch that money. With the target date fund, the one caveat there is that often that is what we call a fund of funds, meaning that the target date fund itself is charging you a fee inside of itself. You don't see it on your statement, but there's an annual fee for any investment pretty much. And that target date fund is going to charge you a fee inside of it every year. And then usually with target date funds, they take that your money and then they invest them in other mutual funds. Well, a mutual fund also has a fee inside of it. So you're often going to be in a fund that's charging you a fee plus then putting your money into another fund that's also charging a fee. So there's double layers of fee. So that's something to think about. And it could still be a relatively inexpensive choice depending on the fund and Vanguard, that V word. So I will let them speak for themselves. So the app on the you know sort of independent do it yourself. I'm not gonna not gonna work with the professional side. So lots of choices over there. Wade through with caution and do your research and spend your time knowing what's right for you. There are a lot of books and articles and blogs and websites out there that can help give you context when you're making choices in that space. On the professional side. We've talked a little bit about, you know, I have the CFP designation. And so the CFP, which stands for Certified Financial Planner, is often a designation that means that professional is helping you with the planning side and often also giving you investment guidance. And that designation can help determine what kind of a professional you're looking for because financial advisor versus financial planner as a title is not actually regulated by any entity anywhere. So just because you see somebody saying financial planner doesn't mean they actually do financial planning. And just because you see somebody say financial advisor doesn't mean anything either. So the designation can help give you some insight into who is qualified to help you with your particular issue. When it comes to fees, I hesitate to quote anything live on air, of course, but keep in mind that you should be fully asking all of the questions that you need the answers to. So how much do they charge? What is included in their service? How much are the charges for the investments that they're putting you in? You know, I mean, when they're putting you into investments, that doesn't mean that those investments come free just because you're paying the professional. So keep in mind that there are fees involved with investing that are beyond just who you're paying to help you. The upside, of course, not to, you know, batter all of us professionals out there, the upside is that you get help with all of this. Hopefully you're getting help with all of the planning, 
all of the, you know, helping with the life goals. You're having some conversations about the investments. They're designing a strategy that makes sense for your specific situation. And then the investments align with your long-term vision for your life. And that's what you're really looking for somebody to help you do is provide the guidance on all aspects of your life. And sometimes you can look at a target date fund and once you add up all those fees and you compare that to the fee of the professional that you're thinking about going with, sometimes they're either apples to apples or cheaper to go with the person. So there are a lot of iterations of this and don't let cost alone be the inhibiting factor for you in making that decision. So you've got the the piece where you're getting some solid advice, some planning that comes from a professional who knows what are the best choices, that kind of stuff, can look through your individual situation and make a plan. I know that there's some financial planners or wealth managers or those kinds of folks who will kind of do a set it and forget it so you're not really getting that. But when you have an actively managed situation, I don't know the right word, (laughs) when your money is actively managed, what does that actually look like and what should people be asking for to make sure that they're not having somebody that's just basically giving you advice, putting your money in somewhere and then forgetting about it? (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, that's a great question. So ask your person, how often do you rebalance? Rebalance is when they take the funds in your account and realign them to the specific percentages you agreed on when you were making the plan. And that somebody is watching over stuff to make sure that things don't go out of whack uh, with the market changing, right? So when the stock market goes way, way up and the bond market is staying steady, you can see how your percentages that are total in the stock market can go way out of whack to what you initially decided on. So if you were starting with 50% in the stock market and the stock market has had a bang out year and rose you know, 20% for whatever purpose, then you can see how the percentage comparison to your portfolio will get out of balance. So that instead of having 50% in the stock market, now suddenly you have 60% perhaps, right? And that is out of line with what your overall plan is. And now you have more risk in your portfolio than maybe you originally intended, right? So 60%, you're going to have more volatility that up and down from the stock market than if you only had 50%. That doesn't mean it's wrong, but you want somebody who's going to watch that for you. So those are the questions you want to be asking. How often do you rebalance? How often do you talk to me? Because they should be talking to you. They should be calling you. They should be checking in with you. How often do we review the plan and or the agreements that we made as to how we're going on with our situation? How often do you make a change to the portfolio? Like, are you actually watching what's going on in the market and the bond side? You know, are you sitting there and, and waiting until everything blows up and then, and then reacting? Or are you being proactive and staying on top of what's going on with the news? So you really also want to look for that, what's called diversification, meaning you're not invested in one stock or one bond. You're invested in lots of different things. And the idea is that when something's going up, you get to participate in that to some degree, but you're not going to also have 100% of it when it goes down. And this also mm-hmm. seems like that age-old advice of just make your deposits into these accounts as a steady, regular thing, that the timing of things, nobody can foresee the future and predict when the stock market's going to make a huge jump. And you might miss out on some of those gains just waiting for it to drop down again. Absolutely. And we cannot predict. Anyone who tells you they have the secret key, nobody's figured it out yet. So don't listen to them. They probably don't have the secret key. (laughs) But what I'm really hearing is that, you know, you want to make sure that you've thought through what your financial plan needs to be, you know, how you're balancing out investments versus paying off debt versus, you know, kind of emergency fund, really looking at who can best manage your money, 
going with caution if you want to try to do it yourself, but really looking at if you decide to go with a professional, you know, some of these great questions that you asked, which is, you know, kind of how do you rebalance? How often are you looking? I would also add to that, how are you evaluating outcomes and making sure that you're really meeting the goals that are stated? And, and how often are we in touch? I think all of these things are so great. And it's so great to have someone who's a responsible financial advisor on our, on our show to give us this advice. Where else can people find you? How can they get in touch with you if they want to? Katrina Salter. Uh, it's pretty easy to Google. There's not a lot of me, uh, versions of me out there. But um, you can definitely find me at our website, our team's website, zhswealthmanagementgroup.com. I'm also on uh, all of the, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, all those lovely things. And, and then, we'll link on our show notes to your stuff so people don't have great. to really figure out how to spell your last name. <laughs> exactly, which uh, is, can be confusing. And then uh, uh, obviously my email is katrina.salter at wfadvisors.com, um, which will also be on there. So hopefully you can uh, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions, would love to follow up. And I will say my last disclosure of the day, which is investment products and services are offered through Wells Fargo Advisors. Wells Fargo Advisors is a trade name used by Wells Fargo Clearing Services, LLC, member SIP. I also will suggest that you join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Survival Guide group, where we will continue some of the discussions and the very limited amount that we can contribute on things like financial planning. (laughs) But uh, we'll, we'll generally direct those kinds of things back towards go see a professional. Don't get your financial advice from therapists. Check out our website, mtsgpodcast.com. Check out all of the phenomenal live events that we have going on. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Bernoy and Katrina Salter. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Charge your full rate with confidence with Thryzer. Thryzer takes care of 100% of the insurance stress and helps your clients skip the long reimbursement wait, giving you a powerful tool to attract and retain out-of-network clients with ease. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Feeling stuck with SEO for your therapy practice? There's hope. Head to simplifiedseoconsulting.com forward slash modern therapist and unlock your website's SEO potential with Simplified SEO Consulting. Use code modern therapist for a discount and mention the Modern Therapist Survival Guide podcast for a special offer on done for you SEO this summer. Let's build your dream practice together.